We're going to end up in the book of Matthew chapter 22. I'm not going to read it for just a little bit. But for those of you that come from a real religious background and you've got to have a text before he's really preaching, I'm just going to tell you, go ahead and open up your Bible and get ready, Matthew 22, because I'm going to read a text, all right, in just a minute. So just so now I'm going to start preaching now. Y'all good? You ready? We're going to go right into it. Because like at 9 o'clock, I went into it, you know, and then spoke a little bit. And I realized that, like, this ain't even preaching because he didn't read nothing. So I'm going to tell you we're going to read something, okay? So look at the person beside you and say, we're going to read in Matthew 22. So just be patient, sweetheart. We'll be all right. Y'all, we had a great service at 9 o'clock today. There were people everywhere. And uh, so thank you so much for coming to the 11 o'clock and making room for folks to be here at 9. And it's just great. I got to tell you, last week, uh, we broke all of our attendance records by about 50 people. All attendance records last week. Come on, y'all. Let me say that. Because let me say, that's not about getting rear ends in the seats, all right? That's about getting souls here that can have a junction with Jesus. And so thank you for doing that. Thank all of our team. I'd like you to do one more thing for me. I want you to tell the staging team how grateful we are for getting here at 6 a.m. today to get this thing set up. Come on, staging team. Y'all killed it today. Thank y'all. Those of you that are asking how you can serve, I'm telling you, the best places you can serve here at the Hills is in our staging team and with our kids. It's great. Uh, but, our, man, our staging team, man, they're just killing it. And they have, they have a blast. So much fun. When you came in today, on most of your seats, so there was a, a, a car just like this called Complicated. Uh, some of you may not have had it on your seat because we started running out because people have been passing them out. We're asking for you over the next couple of weeks, uh, we've got this week, next week, two or three more weeks in this series, that you just invite people, folks that are walking through a complicated time in their life, or they need some simplicity, just hand this to them. You hear somebody say, man, I had a rough day. Hey, well, i got an answer for you. I want you to come with me to my church. We've made room for you, and you get two choices, 9 or 11, and you come on, and uh, we're going to be talking about how to simplify Things. I was talking with someone this past uh, week, and they were here last Sunday, and they said that when they looked down and saw these invite cards, that it really resonated with them because they've been using the word complicated a lot lately. They've been saying, man, things are just complicated, or that's complicated. Anybody else been finding yourself doing that a little bit, just saying, man, that's just complicated? Or why do we got to be so complicated? <laughs> why are things so confusing? You found yourself just saying, that's just messed up. Or have you found yourself saying, you're just messed up? <laughs> or maybe I am messed up. There we go. How many of said, I am messed up? Or I'm uncertain or trying to figure this thing out. Why does it have to be so complicated? Well, in the next several weeks, we're going to be talking how to take the complicated things in life and make them a little more simple. I don't know about you, but I like simple. Yeah. Just point me in a direction and say, that's where you go. Maybe for me, being from Mississippi, I don't know, I just like it really simple. If it gets complicated, my brain just kind of blows up. You get Mississippi mixed with ADD, and it's just bad. Just tell me where to go, all right? I want you to write this down, and I want you, I know I haven't read my text, but I want you to take notes. I want you to write down this phrase, and we're going to be saying it a couple times during the day. Complicated or simple 
is all about perspective. So write that down. Complicated or simple is all about perspective. It's how you see things. It's how you look at it. It's your perception of things. For example, I don't know one thing about automobiles. Not one thing. Like, I know how to start them. I know how to stop them. That's pretty much it. So when something goes wrong with my vehicles, one of them, I I freak out. I'm going to just tell you right now, I freak out. If the engine light comes on, I just scream like a girl. I just immediately, if it comes on, it's just like, ah! Just not anything about it. Nothing. However, my dad, we call him Papa Rags around here, knows everything about everything. If you want to know something about anything, you just ask Papa Rag. So I, I, I've seen many times, you know, I know I call my dad. Engine light comes on. Hey, Dad, can you please come over? So here comes Papa. Well, so I feel better about myself. I get the hood up, you know. <laughs> Go ahead and raise the hood up, get a little grease, just smear it on myself like I've been doing something. When in reality, I've just been sitting there staring at that motor going, <laughs> what are you doing? My dad walks in. Doesn't eat the motor's running, doesn't even look at it and goes, Oh, I know what that is. That's your carburetor ran through the food valve and up through the chromoscaper. Did you think? Okay. Why? Because my dad's perspective on it is different than mine. Dad knows things that I don't know. He has revelation about things I don't know. He has experience about things that I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, I was having trouble with my computer. Anybody else right there with me? Like automobiles and computers, can you just raise your hand? Yeah. And now automobiles have computers, so it just, just <laughs> freaks me out completely. <laughs> can you just reboot it, please? Can we reboot the thing? Uh, and so uh, I didn't know what to do, and, and Casey Millison, who does our communications here, uh, she said, well, you need, you need to have Jacob Pennington look at it. Well, Jacob's a guy that goes to our church and helps us with some of our IT. And so I called him, like, something's going wrong with my computer. And I don't, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, well, I'll just log into it. I said, okay, when are you coming over? I'm not coming over. I'm going to log into your computer. Wait a minute, you're going to do what? Yeah, sure, I'll just send you there. You give me access, I'll log into your computer. And while I'm on the phone with him, he takes over my computer. And now anything that goes wrong with it, I just blame it on him. I'm like, oh, you did something while you were in my computer that you did. So it, it, I had been work, I had I had Googled it, I had YouTubed it, I had done everything I knew to do to try to get that computer to work, and within five minutes it was just just buzzing along. Why? Perspective. He's got training. He understands things that I don't know. I could spend my whole life working on it. Does that sound like anybody's life right now? Yeah. That you're looking at something, you're going, man, this is just so messed up. I don't know how I'm going to work this thing out. And then you'll have a friend that just walks in and goes, oh, here's what you need to do there. And you go, what? how did you know that? Perspective. The same reason you could look at their life and they're confused and you could go, oh, that's easy. That's an easy fix. How many can fix other people's lives a lot better than you can fix your own? <laughs> I can tell all y'all how to run your life. I can do it just like that. But when it comes to me, it's complicated. That's why we need a different perspective in our life. You need someone in your life that can give you another perspective. And aren't you thankful that you have a Savior that can give you another perspective? Now, the first, the 9 o'clock, really amen on that one. Y'all were kind of boring on that one. Aren't you thankful you have a Savior that gives you better perspective in your life? This is a little better. Jesus had an incredible way 
of uncomplicating things. An amazing way of taking what seemed to be complicated issues and just making them very simple. And remember, when Jesus shows up on the scene, there are some religious sects going on. I mean, these guys are, and when I say S-E-C-T-S, okay, that was what that was, all right? I know it's Valentine's Day, but we're not preaching about religious sex, all right? <laughs> religious orders, maybe I should say, okay? Which may be actually a good series one day now that I'm thinking about it. He shows up, and there's these different Pharisees and Sadducees and all kind of other Cs, and they have all their different laws and regulations, and they had taken the Ten Commandments of God, and they had added all their other stuff to it. And I mean, it was hard. It was hard to be a Jewish person. You better, you had to do it right. And if you, if the, and it would, they would say, if you forget to cross one little I, or, or, or cross one little T or dot one little I, then you've wasted all this other time. So it's laborious. I don't know about you, but I've been in religions like that before. I just didn't feel like I was good enough. I couldn't quite make it. There's just no way I could quite figure things out. And now Jesus shows up on the scene. And with his words, he just uncomplicates things. He says things like, I am the way. What? Oh, and also not just the way, I'm the truth. You're looking for light? Here I am. You're looking for life? Here we go. He would say things like, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He would say things like, the way is very straight. I know you're used to using GPS to get where you're going, but the Jesus way is just go that way. That way it's straight, it's narrow, it's uncomplicated. But it's human nature for us to complicate things. We do. We we try to mix it all up when it's really very, very easy. We try to, and I think there's something about us that we think if we complicate it, it makes us look better. Because like, man, I did that. I made it through that thing. When it's really not that complicated. You know, I I, I always think about when you when I when I try to Think about exercising and working out. You know, it's, it, it's really very simple. Just eat less, run more. <laughs> Try to buy all these different programs and all these different things we're going to do. It Just lay down and do some sit-ups. <laughs> Just start <laughs> right there. We try to make it all complicated. And then you throw religious on that. You put God in the equation. And, man, we feel like we got to add all kind of stuff to it. And the issue is the gospel is so simple. And I think sometimes it's too simple. We think, in our mind, we think it cannot, surely it can't be that simple. That he sent his son who died, shed his blood for us, resurrected, and came back to live in us. Really? That's it? And so this is what sent the religious people into a fervor. They were just angry and, and mad. In Matthew 22, when you begin reading in the, in the first part of it, you'll find that they all got together. The Pharisees got together and plotted. They said, this Jesus is too simple. We've got to figure a way to mess this thing up. So let's plot. And let's figure out a way to get him to say something so that we can arrest him. So they, the Pharisees went to him and they tried something and Jesus was like, just spit some stuff out. And they're like, okay, that didn't work. And so that didn't work for them. So then the Sadducees show up. 
And they got their whole different rules and regulations. And they, so they tried it on him, and he just once again just laid them out. And they just walked with their tail tucked between their legs. And so the Pharisees come back. All right, Sadducees, you didn't work, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring in the big guns. We're going to get a lawyer. Not just a lawyer. We're going to get one that knows the word really good. And this is where we find our text in Matthew 22 and 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. They got together again. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, wait a minute. Remember what we're talking about here. They had added all of these different regulations and rules. And they're like, if we can get him to say that this is the greatest one, then we'll be able to say what we thought that was the greatest one. And then we'll get him. And we can get things back to messy and complicated. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. In other words, in value, in greatness. The second one is just as great. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, all the law And the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then I like to think he just did a mic drop. Like, (laughs) Maybe not. I don't know. I will say this. A few verses down, verse 46, it says, After that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Come on, how many of you spouses would love to have that answer? It just shuts everything up. No? Valentine's Day, y'all being nice right now? In other words, what Jesus was saying is, let me break it down for you. Everything written, everything that the law, every part of the law, every dot, every cross, every line, and every word that any prophet has ever uttered, every bit of it is summed up in these two things. Love God and love others. I'll say to you right now, this right here, everything in it, from start to finish, from, from Genesis to Revelation, everything is summed up. Loving him and loving them. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. Loving him and loving them. I like to think of the commandments in the law as some big door. Big, wooden, creaky door that hangs on those two hinges. Love God, love others. And everything in here swings on those two things. I'm about you, but that pretty much uncomplicates things for me. On Valentine's Day, I want to talk a little bit about the power of this thing called love and how it can change your perspective. Remember I said at the beginning of the message today that Simple or complicated is all about your perspective and how you see things. Well, with this in mind, I believe that every situation in your life can be uncomplicated if you view it through the lens of love. Well, let that set in for just a minute. I'm going to say it again. Every situation in your life, in my life, can be uncomplicated and made really simple if I just look at it through the lens of love. I mean, obviously in your relationships, right? On Valentine's Day. Obviously in your families. 
If you just look at that situation through the lens of love, it just uncomplicates it. Because it takes the anger, it takes the stress. It t- now, when I say love, I'm not talking about the feeling of love. I'm talking about true love, pure love, perfect love that doesn't think, as 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't think of itself, but it thinks of others. That doesn't keep a record of wrong, but thinks of other people. Your finances, those of you, your finances are complicated, you're in debt. Let me tell you a great way to begin to work your way out of that. There's a lot of books that will help you, and we, we encourage there's a lot of programs that can help you. But to really do it, look at your finances through the lens of love. And think about, do you want to leave your children with debt or with an inheritance? Think about, do you want to have more to give to those that are in need? Do you understand how that uncomplicates things? Think about the coworker that you deal with, that you cannot stand them, the lens of love. Think about the lost that are out here, that all we're saying is just one invite card, just one invite card. Think about, instead of it being laborious, and it's just a lens of love. It is good. Thank you. I didn't say it, actually. I'm just repeating what was already said. Everybody say friends, Friends. family, Family. and foes. The lens of love. Look at all of them that way. Your friends, the lens of love. Your family, the lens of love. And then your foes, those people that you feel like are against you or you're against them. How many have found that sometimes your family can be your foes? Anybody ever found that the guys you thought was your foes may end up being your family? May end up being your friends? That's what happens when you begin to look things through the eyes of love. Now, I just want to go on record because I may be the only one here that can just say that this feels sounds really tough to me. I know we're talking about uncomplicating and making things simple, but when we begin to talk about looking at everything through the lens of love, how many think that probably makes it a little more complicated? Or maybe y'all have got it all figured out. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't always look through the lens of love, even to those that I dearly love. It's not easy. It's hard. Love is not easy. And then you start looking at how Jesus began to talk about love, how the law talked about love. Remember, we're talking about the law and the prophets. Let me, let me just throw it out to you, all right? So I've told you that it's really simple. Now I'm going to tell you how complicated it is, okay? And y'all going to be just crazy by the time the service is over. I'm going to try to bring it back around. The first thing he says in the law, and Jesus repeats it, is to love your neighbor. How many of y'all got a crazy neighbor? Just raise your hand. You go, yep, don't know my neighbor. You, yeah, you don't. God wouldn't have said that if he didn't know my neighbor. My neighbor's crazy. If you don't have a crazy neighbor, how many have ever had a crazy neighbor? And you're thinking, you want me to love them? Okay, but even if your neighbor is your best friend, Jesus said, don't just love them, but he takes it another step. Love your neighbor as yourself. What? Think about what that means now. To love your neighbor the way you love yourself. That means when you got up this morning, the only thing you were thinking about is yourself. I am so tired. I should have gone to the 9 o'clock service. So I could have taken a nap later on today. I got to brush my teeth. Wonder how I look. Man, I'm looking pretty good. Hope they think I'm looking good. Where are we going to eat after church? See? It's all about us, right? 
And Jesus is saying the greatest commandment is that you love your neighbor as yourself. How many find that hard? All right, let's take it even harder. Are y'all ready? Then Jesus began to explain to them who their neighbor is. Because one of the smart aleck said, well, who's my neighbor? He said, I'll tell you who your neighbor is. And he goes into the parable of the Good Samaritan. Where a Jewish man is walking down the road, a band of thieves jump on him, beat him down. He's left there almost lifeless, crying for help. And along comes one of his Jewish leaders walking along. A priest comes and sees him and just walks on by him. The next guy that comes along, another one of his Jewish fellows that was a Levite. He goes on the other side, won't even get near him, walks on by him. And then Jesus says, and yet then... A Samaritan came by. Now, you understand the difference in those two, right? The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. They called each other racial slurs. They, they, they couldn't stand each other. Matter of fact, they would go around. They wouldn't even go through a Samaritan town because they didn't want to get unclean. They would go all the way around it. And Jesus looks at the man and he says, the good Samaritan picked him up and he took him. He cleaned up his wounds, put him on his animal, took him and put him in the hospital, paid for his medical bills, and then said, I'm going to come back in a little bit, and if there's any bills that have not been paid, I'm going to pay for those too. I'm talking about a generous giver. And Jesus looks at this expert in the law, and he goes, now which one is your neighbor? And he said, well, the one that, the one that showed love to him. And so what Jesus was saying is, your neighbor, remember, love your neighbor, Love your neighbor as yourself. And the definition of a neighbor is the person that you like the least. Not the guy you grill out with. That ain't your neighbor. Your neighbor in the biblical scriptural term is the person with whom you have the least in common. That you're supposed to hate one another. You're not supposed to like one another. And now Jesus is saying... Love your neighbor as yourself, and this neighbor is the person that you don't like. Matter of fact, he said, you don't just need to love your neighbor. You need to love your enemies. Matthew 5, 43, Jesus said, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Y'all, is anybody else getting depressed besides me? Like, I thought we were supposed to uncomplicate things. And then you're making it harder, man. You're saying that this is what love is about? And I got news for you. He didn't stop there. He then took it even further. In John 13 and 34, when he says this, A new commandment I give to you, John 13 and 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another As I have loved you, so you also love one another. Whoa, 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 wait. First of all, you're saying love my neighbor, who is my enemy, who I don't like, and love them as myself. That's hard enough. And now you're giving me another commandment that says I've got to love them like you love me. Think about how he loves us. He never stops loving. Your love never fails, it never gives, never runs out on me, just keeps going. And on and on and on and on it goes. Don't you love that part? 
on and on. It never stops. And now he's saying the new commandment is that I'm supposed to love people the same way. And then love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's that commandment. I don't know about you, but that's as tough for me as anything. Man, my ADD kicks in. It's hard. I know right now I'm losing some of y'all just 15 minutes into it. It's hard for you to put your, all your mind and all your strength and all your heart. I love Kristen with everything that I have, but there are times she doesn't have all my heart. It's hard. It's hard. This is a hard I love when the disciples would say, that's a hard saying. I'm just going to tell you, I love you, Jesus, but that is tough. I don't know any way that we're going to do that. And then on top of all of that, on top, y'all ready for even more? It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. He's saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the great commandment. And the second commandment is, is just as strong. Love your neighbor as yourself. The person you like the least. The person that spits on you and curses you and says racial things about you and looks down on you. You're supposed to love them and not just love them with your human capacity, but love them the way that Christ loves them. And I got to tell you, it was about as quiet in my office this week as it is right now. Because <laughs> if I begin to research and I begin to study, I'm going, it's a commandment. And if you don't obey the commandments, you die. Yeah. Right? And so I just got, we're all going to die. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> It ain't going to happen. And then as my reading, I found this passage of scripture that made me want to dance around my office early in the morning. I thank God for Matthew 5, 17. When Jesus says to them, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And in doing so, he was prophesying of his death, burial, and resurrection. By saying that all the laws and all the commandments and all the arduous circumstances and everything that you're ever going to face and all the stuff you don't think you can ever live up to, both the pressure you put on yourself, the pressure that others put on you, the stress that relationships put on you, the confusion that religion puts on you. What he was saying is, I, through my death, burial and resurrection have fulfilled every mandate and every law and every commandment that has ever been written in these words. I ain't a good preacher, but that's some good preaching right there. And suddenly it all made sense to me. Suddenly it was so simple. I'd been trying to do it on my own and trying to muster up enough love and trying to be good enough for Kristen and a good enough father for my sons and trying to be a good pastor and trying to be a good man and feeling like I was under the weight of it all. And all of a sudden he says, son, you don't have to be under the weight of it all. I've already wiped all of that thing out. There is no record of your wrongdoings because perfect love wipes all that stuff out. Now, you talk about simplifying the complicated. And then 1 John 4 and 9 says, And God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world 
so that we might have eternal life through him. Everybody read this next one with me. This is real love. Come on, say it again. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. 1 John 4 and 16. We know how much God loves us and we've put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God... Our love grows more perfect so that we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Now, why would you be afraid on the day of judgment? Because on the day of judgment, God is going to look at his truth and he's going to look at his laws and he's going to look at his commands and he's going to look at your life. And he's going to say, you either obeyed them or you did not obey them. Well, John is saying, we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here on earth. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you how to uncomplicate your world. You don't need more of anything but Jesus. That's it. Now, look, I know you want more, okay? I know we want it to be a little more tough than that. A little harder. But it ain't. It's just that simple. And man, the Beatles almost got it right. All we need is love. Almost had it right. But we don't need more love. We need more Jesus. We need more Jesus. Not more love. Because love doesn't take care of it. Perfect love takes care of it. And he is the only one that brings perfect love. And I love what I read just a moment. It says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. You want your relationships, your marriages, again, finances, work, stress, everything in life that seems complicated. You want to make it simple? Just get more Jesus in your life. And the more you live in him, the more perfect and mature your love I think book, books are great. Books on finances, books on relationships, books on getting closer to the Lord. I think they can help you out. But if you're relying on those things to make your life better and easier, it's probably just going to confuse you more. Start off that journey before you open the book, before you go to counseling by saying, what I need is more Jesus in my life. What we need is more Jesus in this situation right now. Complicated or simple is all about perspective. And we need God's perspective. And God's perspective is love. Because that's what he is. Say it with me. God's perspective is love. That means everything he looks at, he looks through the lens of love. When he looks at you, lens of love. And I hear some of you right now going, but what about his truth? The only reason he has truth is because he loves you. That's it. How many of you set up boundaries in your house for your kids because you hate them? Come on, just be honest. Kids, y'all know it's true. Us parents set things up because we don't like you, okay? We don't want you to have fun. We don't want you to be pleased. We don't want you to have any joy in your life. That's why we put parameters on you, Will. That's the reason. That's why we do it. 
I'm going to say that's not true. No. The reason I tell the boys, don't go here, don't go there, don't do this, is because I love them. And I want them to have an abundant, fruitful, protected, glorious life. But for some reason, when we start looking at the laws of God, we start going, man's trying to keep me down. Tell me what to do. I hate church. I don't know church beat me down. Look, don't blame that on church. That's people. People are dumb. But don't blame that on church. Matter of fact, you better watch talking about the church because Jesus died for it, all right? You better be careful. That's the apple of his eye. He loves the church. Can I get an amen from somebody besides Gwen today? Amen. I can always count on a Gwen amen. I need somebody else. Come on, it's the truth. We think, oh, no, the reason the laws and the regulations and the commandments are there is because he loves you and he loves me. And then he loves us so much because he was looking at us for so long through that lens of love. Finally, he says, this is not going to work out. The prophets can't do it. The lawyers can't do it. There's not enough lambs in the world to wipe their sins away. I'm going to have to send my one and only son. To go take care of the situation. And here he comes. The spotless lamb. That there was no wrong in him. He never did anything wrong. He didn't do anything to deserve what he got. And yet he came. And like a lamb was quiet. Led to the slaughter. Never complained. Was never bitter. Was never angry. And lay down his life. He said, you don't take my life. I'm laying it down. Lay down his life and shed his sinless, precious blood so that you and I could bask in that red mercy and live overcoming lives. Not by anything we've done. Not because I'm a good lover. Not because you're a good sinner. But because he is a good savior. And that's how you simplify your life. When you wake up in the morning and it's complicated, I need more Jesus. When you wake up in the morning you're trying to figure out how am I, how am I going to navigate this situation, I need some more Jesus. How do I get more Jesus? Well, get in his word. Open up that word. Come on. Get, I, I told you, I've told you several times, it has never been more easy to get in the word, ever. I mean, it's on every app. You get whatever translation you want. It will even read it to you. God, it's so easy. Just the word of God. Get into his presence. Put on some worship music. Find some time alone with him. And be around his people. He said, whenever you get together with anybody in my name, in my, in, I'm going to show up and be in your midst. You want more Jesus? Get to church. Get in a gathering. Be around people that are talking about Jesus. Relationships tough? Get more Jesus in the relationship. Find some ways to get him into that situation. The tough days that you're going to face when you've got tests coming up, you don't know how you're going to do it, running out of time, make some time for Jesus. Make some room for him. And I promise you, you're going to watch your life get a lot more uncomplicated. Haven't received that word this morning. Receive it today. I believe in this. I believe in it with everything that I have. I believe that the simple gospel of Jesus Christ 
not just changes lives, but transforms lives. Takes people that were rotten and nasty and ugly and turns them into brand new creations. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ heals people. I believe it saves people. I believe it sets people free. The simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Sitting right here today is a testimony of that. A a gentleman that came into our church, gave his heart to the Lord. A few months ago, we thought he was dead. They were telling us he was dead. Stan Looney is sitting right here today with us. Stan, man, we're so glad you're here. I thought I was coming to your funeral, man. That's what they were telling me. And here you are. It's awesome. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. 